Good morning. Today is Thursday, August 8th, 2019. Our readings for today are Psalm 83 or 145. I'll let you know when we get there. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 27. Acts 19, 11 through 20. And Mark 9, 2 through 13. Today we remember Dominic. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Mother, to set forth her praise, to hear her holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship her, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by her infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. O God, you are my God, from break of day I seek you. O God, you are my God, eagerly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a barren and dry land where there is no water. Therefore I have gazed upon you in your holy place, that I might behold your power and your glory. For your loving kindness is better than life itself. My lips shall give you praise. So will I bless you as long as I live, and lift up my hands in your name. My soul is content, as with marrow and fatness and my mouth praises you with joyful lips, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my helper, and under the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul clings to you. Your right hand holds me fast. O God, you are my God. From break of day I seek you. Psalm 145 I will extol you, my God and King. 
and bless your name forever and ever. You know what? Hang on a second, folks. I'm going to read 83 and 145. 83, Psalm 83. O God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. Even now your enemies are in tumult. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against those you protect. They say, come let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. They conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gibal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the Wadi Kishon, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Ziba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take the pastures of God for our own possession. O oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so pursue them with your tempest, and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame, so that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace. Let them know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Psalm 145 I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall lodge your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him, he also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. 
My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 27. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with all his officers, with his officers, and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she was purifying herself after her period. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, You have just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah remain in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence, and made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the, of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him, so that he may be struck down and die. As Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant warriors. The men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite was killed as well. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting, and he instructed the messenger, When you have finished telling the king all the news about the fighting, then, if the king's anger rises, and if he says to you, Why did you go so near the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerbuel? Did not a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead too. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. 
Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this matter trouble you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Press your attack on the city, and overthrow it, and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentation for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle A, A Song of Wisdom Wisdom freed from a nation of oppressors, a holy people, and a blameless race. She entered the soul of a servant of the Lord, withstood dread rulers with wonders and signs. To the saints she gave the reward of their labors, and led them by a marvelous way. She was their shelter by day, and a blaze of stars by night. She brought them across the Red Sea. She led them through mighty waters. But their enemies she swallowed in the waves and spewed them out from the depths of the abyss. And then, Lord, the righteous sang hymns to your name and praised with one voice your protecting hand. For wisdom opened the mouths of the mute and gave speech to the tongues of a newborn people. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Acts, chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some internet Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Skeva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to all residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, Everyone was awestruck, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. And also many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. A number of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come to 50,000 silver coins. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle 16, the Song of Zechariah. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. Through your holy prophets you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears, and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, 
free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with, Moses, Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Then they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is it written about the Son of Man that he is to go through many sufferings and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written about him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 41 of Enriching Our Worship 1. I believe in God, the Mother Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. We will use as we have been the litany of healing found in Enriching Our Worship Volume 2 in place of the suffrages. 
I see this as interceding and persevering in prayer for much needed healing. Recent events in this country and across the world um, have convinced me that prayers for healing are a much needed intercession that that those of us who are, as we've been saying, awake and aware, must intercede. There's a lovely and strong letter written, one by my bishop and another by a community of of bishops, um, speaking out against racism and violence. I believe very strongly that prayer should always be the precursor to action, that we should pray first and then move, because it is through prayer that the Holy Spirit helps us discern what our next move should be. And prayer is in and of itself also an action and a movement. And so I think these additional 20 minutes, yes, I've timed it, that we spend in prayer for healing are powerful and needed and necessary and very much more than just words. And I am so thankful that your voices are joined with mine and that all of ours are joined with the saints that have gone before and all of those in heaven. I think that It unlocks something very powerful when we pray together in this way. Thank you. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. Also, in addition to the individual names and people that we are lifting up and holding in and interceding for in prayer, I pray for victims of violence everywhere, and especially at this moment, those in El Paso, in Dayton, at the border on both sides, all of those who are caught up in the strife between factions, both in this country and throughout the world. God, help us be peacemakers. Show us a way to come to the table and understand each other. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Let us offer our prayers for God's healing, saying, Hear and have mercy. Holy God, source of health and salvation. Actually, instead of hear and have mercy, let's say answer our prayer. Answer our prayer. Holy and mighty, wellspring of abundant life, answer our prayer. Holy immortal one, protector of the faithful, answer our prayer. Holy Trinity, the source of all wholeness, answer our prayer. Blessed Jesus, your holy name is medicine for healing and a promise of eternal life, answer our prayer. Jesus, descendant of David, you healed all who came to you in faith, answer our prayer. Jesus, child of Mary, you embrace the world with your love. Answer our prayer. 
Jesus, divine physician, you sent your disciples to preach the gospel and heal in your name. Answer our prayer. Jesus, our true mother, you feed us the milk of your compassion. Answer our prayer. Jesus, son of God, you take away our sin and make us whole. Answer our prayer. Jesus, eternal Christ, your promised spirit renews our hearts and minds. Answer our prayer. Grant your grace to heal those who are sick, we pray to you. O God, answer our prayer. Give courage and faith to all who are disabled through injury or illness, we pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Comfort, relieve, and heal all sick children, we pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Give courage to all who await surgery, we pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Support and encourage those who live with chronic illness. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Strengthen those who endure continual pain and give them hope. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Grant the refreshment of peaceful sleep to all who suffer. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Befriend all who are anxious, lonely, despondent, or afraid. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Restore those with mental illness to clarity of mind and hopefulness of heart. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Give rest to the weary and hold the dying in your loving arms. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Help us to prepare for death with confident expectation and hope of Easter joy. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Give your wisdom and compassion to health care workers, that they may minister to the sick and dying with knowledge, skill, and kindness. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Uphold those who keep watch with the sick. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Guide those who search for the causes and cures of sickness and disease. We pray to you, O God. Answer our prayer. Jesus, Lamb of God, answer our prayer. Jesus, bearer of our sins, answer our prayer. Jesus, redeemer of the world, answer our prayer. Our mother who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Compassionate God, you so love the world that you sent us Jesus to bear our infirmities and afflictions. Through acts of healing, he revealed you as the true source of health and salvation. For the sake of your Christ who suffered and died for us, conquered death, and now reigns with you in glory, hear the cry of your people. Have mercy on us. Make us whole and bring us at last into the fullness of your eternal life. Amen.
Now we're going to pray the prayers for those who are sick. And my copy of Enriching Our Worship too, which is a new-to-me copy because I gave mine away, so I had to get a new one. And I got it used. Um, it's on page 64. I don't know. This version just seems placed a little bit differently. So your version might not have that exact page, but it's the prayers for those who are sick, and it's somewhere around page 64. And I feel like I should say here that these prayers are, are meant to be prayed for both specific people and then also, just in my humble opinion, all of those suffering from that malady or affliction. And so that is what I do. But instead of using individual names for the privacy of the people that I am praying for, I hold that name in my mind. But then instead of a name, I say, your children, because we are all God's children, right? And I just hope that that's clear. Like if, if you and I, if, if you were if you were on the healing team with me and we were sitting here together and we both had access to each other's confidential prayer lists, you know, and, and we had that covenant with each other and with the people that we pray for, then we would use specific names. And so let us hold specific names in our minds here and also all of God's children similarly afflicted. May God the Mother bless us, God the Son heal us, God the Holy Spirit give us strength. May God the Holy and Undivided Trinity guard our bodies, save our souls, and bring us safely to God's heavenly country, where God lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Mother, watch with us over your children, and hear our yearning, that they may be restored to health. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Gentle Jesus, you are God's word of healing to us. Be with us as we visit with those who are sick, both physically and spiritually, that we may know our, your presence in one another and rise up in joy to greet you. Grant this for your love's sake. Amen. Blessed Jesus, living water, solid rock, uphold your children, loose the fetters of sickness, break their yokes of pain, and from this land of affliction lead them home. Amen. Loving God, your heart overflows with compassion for your whole creation. Pour out your spirit on all persons living with illness for which we have no cure, as well as their families and loved ones. Help them to know that you claim them as your own. Deliver them from fear and pain, and send your Archangel Raphael to minister to their needs. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Merciful God, in your love and wisdom, you know the needs and fears of your people before we can name them. Grant that your children and we who watch with them may be enabled to surrender all our cares to you as you care for us. Give us peace of mind and unshakable trust in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Blessed Jesus, in your last agony, you commended your spirit to your Father. We seek your mercy for your children, for all who are dying. May death become for them as it was for you, a birth to everlasting life. Receive those whom we commend to you with the blessed assurance that whether we wake or sleep, we remain with you, one God, 
forever. Amen. Merciful God, whose son Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus, look with compassion on all who are bound by sorrow and pain. Through the death of Elaine are all loved ones. Comfort them, grant them the conviction that all things work together for good to those who love you, and help them to find sure trust and confidence in your resurrection power. Through Jesus Christ, our Deliverer. Amen. In your tender mercies, O God, remember all your children who expect or have just received a grave diagnosis. Help them to trust in your goodness and believe that after a time of trial, they shall be established on the firm foundation of your deliverance. Amen. God of all comfort, our very present help in trouble, be near to your children for whom our prayers are offered. Look on them with the eyes of your mercy. Comfort them with a sense of your presence. Preserve them from the enemy and give them patience in their affliction. Restore them to health and lead them to your eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Christ, light of light, brightness indescribable, the wisdom, power, and glory of God, the Word made flesh, you overcame the forces of Satan, redeemed the world, then ascended again to the Father. Grant your children, we pray, in this tarnished world, the shining of your splendor, Send your Archangel Michael to defend us, to guard our going out and coming in, and to bring us safely to your presence, where you reign in the one holy and undivided Trinity, to ages of ages. Amen. Blessed Jesus, in the comfort of your love, we lay before you the memories that haunt your children, the anxieties that perplex them, the despair that frightens them, and their frustration at their inability to think clearly. Help them to discover your forgiveness in their memories and know your peace in their distress. Touch them, O Lord, and fill them with your light and your hope. Amen. God, the strength of the weak and the comfort of those who suffer, hear our prayers and grant your children the power of your grace that their sickness may be turned into health and our sorrow into joy. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Spirit of all healing, visit your children. In your power, renew health within them and raise them up in joy according to your loving kindness, for which we give thanks and praise. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Gracious God, only source of life and health, help, comfort, and relieve your children and give your power of healing to those who minister to their needs, that their weakness may be turned to strength and confidence in your loving care. For the sake of Jesus Christ, amen. Holy and blessed one, shine on your children who lie sleepless. Illumine their spirits and give them rest in you, so that they may recognize you as the true God who brings us out of darkness into our eternal light, amen. O God, our refuge and strength, in these places of unrelenting light and noise, enfold your children in your holy darkness and silence, 
that they may rest secure under the shadow of your wings. Amen. Sanctify, O God, the sickness of your servants, that the sense of their weakness may add strength to their faith and seriousness to their repentance, and grant that they may live with you in everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Loving God, we pray that you will comfort your children in their suffering, lend skill to the hands of their healers, and bless the means used for their cure. Give them such confidence in the power of your grace that even when they are afraid, they may put their whole trust in you. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Strengthen your servants, O God, to go where they have to go and bear what they have to bear that accepting your healing gifts at the hands of surgeons, nurses, and technicians, they may be restored to wholeness with a thankful heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Holy One, you do not distance yourself from the pain of your people, but in Jesus bear that pain with us and bless all who suffer at others' hands. Hallow our flesh and all creation. With your cleansing love, bring healing and strength to your children, and by your justice lift them up, that in the body you have given them, they may again rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord Christ, you came into the world as one of us and suffered as we do. As we go through the trials of life, help us to realize that you are with us at all times and in all things that we have no secrets from you, and that your loving grace enfolds us for eternity. In the security of your embrace, we pray. Amen. O blessed God, you ministered to all who came to you. Look with compassion upon all who through addiction have lost their health and freedom. Restore to them the assurance of your unfailing mercy. Remove from them the fears that beset them. Strengthen them in the work of their recovery. And to those who care for them, give patient understanding and persevering love. Amen. God, your loving kindness never fails, and your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for giving your children relief from pain and hope of health renewed. Continue the good work begun in them, that increasing daily in wholeness and strength, they may rejoice in your goodness and so order their lives always to think and do that which pleases you. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Loving God, inspire by your Holy Spirit those who are afraid of losing hope especially your children for whom we now pray. Give them a fresh vision of your love, that they may find again what they fear they have lost. Grant them your powerful deliverance through the one who makes all things new, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Giver of all grace, we pray your peace, which passes all understanding for those who are developmentally disabled. Grant that they may always be sustained in love, their gifts honored, and their difficulties understood, that none may add to their troubles. We ask this in the name of the one who comforted those who were troubled in mind, Jesus, our Savior. Amen.
lover of souls, we bless your holy name for all who are called to mediate your grace to those who are sick or infirm. Sustain them by your Holy Spirit, that they may bring your loving kindness to those in pain, fear, and confusion, that in bearing one another's burdens they may follow the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Continuing on with our morning prayer, and thank you for the lovely healing prayers and your participation. We'll use the Collect for Peace found on page 99. We've already said several Collects for Healing, but... God, the lover, author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I'm going to use the prayer attributed to St. Francis as a prayer for mission. This can be found on page 833 of the Book of Common Prayer. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now we've already said many intercessions for healing but now is the time to pause, and if there are any other intercessions or personal prayers that you would like to pray, let us do so now. I would like to pray for God's justice. And I would like to hold that in the light and open a conduit for God's justice to be worked here in all present circumstances. I thank God for taking away my fear and for giving me faith and hope and sustaining me in the intentional decision I have made to live my life from a place of faith and love and to eschew the place that 95% plus of our world lives their lives from, the place of fear and perceived scarcity. It is not an easy choice is definitely standing against the tide. And I pray for God to help me to persevere in this decision. I pray also for all of those getting ready to start school again that these schools um, and the students what from the very beginning preschool 
to the highest level of college education, be places of open-minded learning, be places where the free of exchange of thoughts and ideas is made and where teachers are guided by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, no matter by what, by what name they call this wisdom. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, this I pray. And now, um, it's that time when I usually pray, or not pray, <laughs> so I've got my mind on prayer, which is a good thing, when I usually share some thoughts on the readings. Psalm 83 is described in my commentary as a plea that God would protect the community, a community petition that God might protect the people from ten nations bent on annihilating Israel. Ten is symbolic for many. The list reflects no historical reality, but is cumulative, like the listing of enemies in Ezekiel 38 to 39, designating all enemies of God's people. And I think we can really identify this with right now. There are definitely persecuted groups among us and everywhere in the world that must surely feel, although I cannot suppose, I am... I am definitely feeling the persecution of being female in this world right now, but I cannot, I cannot imagine how exponentially more awful, for lack of a better word, it must be to be an immigrant, a foreigner, a person of color in this world right now and my heart breaks for that because these people are are just as much God's children and they have such a valuable contribution to make to our world to our culture to our society and so I grieve for them and and because they are us for us We are doing a terrible thing to each other. And by each other, I mean all of God's children. And I mean not just those who persecute them, but those of us who stand by. And I myself feel at a loss. I don't know. And it's one of my many prayers that God would show me the action to take. I don't know what action I can take. I pray, as you guys know, every day. Um, not just in morning prayer, but continually throughout the day. And I have researched charitable organizations that seem to be reputable, you know, by, by all I can dig out. And I contribute funds to those organizations for the representation and assistance of these people. But it is hard to not be able to do something with my hands if you know what I mean. And I think that many of us feel that way. And I think the psalmist here echoes these words that that God may make known God's almighty power above, above everything else. I, I keep reminding myself that as valid as my discernment is that there is so much that is not right in so many places, both on the grand scale throughout the world, and then also in the very humble and microcosmic scale, you know, of those circles in which I personally move. 
I feel that rumbling in my soul that tells me that there are things that are going on that are, are for lack, again, of a better way to put it, not okay. And this is valid, but it is also, it is both that and it's also a universal truth that God is greater. And in those instances where there is no direct action that I can take, I can still stand with my words and my voice and my prayers and I can pray a way open for God to act and that is mighty and powerful and I know it might sound kind of cheesy or ethereal but I believe that it is real and it is true that prayer opens the way for God and so I think that the best thing and the first thing, like I said earlier, that we can do is we can pray. And and I empathize. I empathize with the, with the psalmist here. And with all of those who are persecuted. And I pray on behalf of those persecuted that they may know comfort and true justice, God's justice. Amen. And I think there's an interesting then juxtaposition between that psalm and Psalm 145, that it is God's kingdom that will last forever, and we will sing of God's righteousness and everlasting love. And I did not count, but there are, the word all is used over and over and over again in Psalm 145. And to me, that is such a clear message of God's inclusivity that God's kingdom or God's queendom, it helps me so much to think of God as a woman just because of the patriarchal wounding of our culture at whole. And it's not, you know, little personal information here. It's not because of father issues. Um, my father was an amazing person, someone who stood up and fought for justice and for those who were disenfranchised and, and taught me to do the same and to keep believing and to not lie down and be a doormat, but to stand up both for myself and for others. Um, so it's not, it's not that, it's not some, you know, personal twisting. It's just that our culture has been so patriarchal for so long. And I hope that by using female pronouns and so forth, I am not then you know, doing the opposite and excluding the men, um, especially my beloved son, right? But that I am helping us to envision something different, that I am helping us to reclaim that of, of the true and godly feminine, not of what our culture is called feminine, not of what our culture has limited femininity and womanhood to, but something more like, I believe the Celtic tradition had it correctly, something about the feminine nature of the creator. And so in this small way, I'm trying to reclaim that. But back to the psalm, I think that this is a very, very clear direction. And hopefully it gives us a little courage and perseverance to know that always from the beginning, it's been all. God has included all 
into God's creation and future and divinity. I pray that we be as inclusive as our God completely and wholly and wholeheartedly and that we stop excluding each other, that we look upon each other with compassion, that we recognize that at any moment we are doing the best that we can, that there is no us in them, but that there is all us, all of us, and would that we come together. Amen. Our reading from Samuel, um, the story of, or the beginning of the story of David and Bathsheba, right? So I think it's interesting here that it begins with, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, like this is just the natural rhythm of things, that kings go out to battle in the spring. And I'm not sure what that means for us, but perhaps that that man-made constructs can create a rhythm which seems to be natural but is not, and that perhaps it is us, up to us to make spring, or the metaphor for spring, mean something different than the time for battle. My narrator says, or my commentator says, this story is artfully narrated. The writer leaves no doubt that David was in the wrong, but leaves the motives of the other characters unexplained so that the reader may suspect but cannot know for certain what each of the characters knows or when they know it. So I think that's, that's interesting here. And then this whole saga goes forward and And this is my personal opinion, so take it or leave it, um, either way. But I feel that David here, he acted from that place of fear and perceived scarcity that we talk about. Here he is, he is the king. He has all of this power, and yet he is afraid of being found out. And so instead of owning his mistake, learning the lesson at the first opportunity, and we'll see later that eventually he does, right? But he continues to compound his error in trying to hide it. And I think, I think that's the lesson for us here, that no matter how much power, how much earthly power and, and riches and all of that we have, it does not bring us safety. And that there is there is justice and reckoning that no mortal is beyond that and that the only way through is honesty and truth and bravely facing our mistakes. I have a dear friend, um, a very, very wise woman um, and very credentialed who says that we should not call them mistakes but lessons and that is what they are when we approach them bravely as such and David doesn't do that here and it's so hard there's so much dramatic irony here in reading this for those of us who know this story and we're like oh David don't do it don't do it but he does and I think that the honest way in, le in which the lesson is told here helps us 
it helps us to see so many things. It helps us to see all of the turning points at which David could have turned back to God and repented and learned this lesson and yet did not. And then it also teaches us that it's never too late. That So I think that's important too, that David is still called the man after God's own heart, even after these grievous lessons where it takes him a long time and a compounded lesson learning to repent and to return to God. He is still a man after God's own heart. There is nothing that we can do that God cannot restore and redeem. We are never beyond that and God can still use us my heart breaks for my brothers and sisters that are so judgmental of others that think that you know they have all of this criteria you cannot be a leader for God if you are and there's a list of a billion things because there will at some day be a point in which they realize that that is the mirror that all of those judgments that they are passing on others or judgments that they are passing upon themselves. I think the more we have a lack of compassion for others, the more it reflects a lack of compassion for ourselves. And I think that that's part of what we pray when we pray the, the Lord's Prayer. And I think that another way of saying it at this time can be, let us be compassionate and forgiving of ourselves and others. I think that's probably enough on that. I guess I feel like, gosh, I'm really um, high-minded today. I hope you all will forgive me for that. Our New Testament reading in Acts. Um, so some context here is that, as my commentator says, Ephesus was such a noted center of magic, magic in italics, that magical books were often called Ephesian scripts. So this section appears to be a way of saying that God's miracles were not human practicing of what they called magic, that there was a difference here, that the name of Jesus was not a magical name, but a holy name, and that... the name of Jesus could not be misused, that this was not something that could be appropriated, that it had to be a true godly Christian miracle. Um, it didn't belong to, as my commentator says, the realm of magic. And so this really is differentiating between miracles and results from other means, I guess is the way I would put it. Because there was was such a preponderance in in that country and it kind of reminds me of of um, a way in which some of some of this has gotten distorted for us, you know, that we try to separate 
God from other things, but God can work through things. So for example, like God can work through a doctor. That's why we pray so much in our prayers for healing, for caregivers and for medical professionals. Um, these things are not completely separate, but we cannot appropriate God either. And so I think it is important for us and, and really truly part of discernment for us to have eyes to see God's miracles working through and in the world and to enter into collaboration with God's work in the world and not, I think that, that what we're holding that up against the thing that we're trying not to do is, is do it the other way around, right? Subsume God into our human efforts, if that makes sense. I hope that that's clear enough. And then um, our gospel reading, which we've read already this week because it, it's one of the readings for the Transfiguration. So I I love I love children's views on things, and I recall last year teaching my very young uh, Sunday school class about Transfiguration, and one of my kiddos um, actually drew the transfigured face of Jesus, which was very beautiful. And I thought about how with nothing to distort our views, children so often get things right. I had a kid like that a million years ago when I was a summer camp counselor too, that just had a way of seeing things. And I think children's views are precious and we should not discount them. Sometimes, although they don't express things the way we do, children see things even more clearly than we do. And so that's personally what this reminds me of here. But then also there are a couple other things here. that this is one of the few times where Jesus says, don't tell anybody, and they actually listen, and they don't tell anybody. And I think that's partly because they have insight beyond what's happening here on earth. And there is a degree, perhaps, of of interference, you know, of, of convolution that Jesus is saving them from in the coming days. You know, that they understand, but but only dimly or only a small part of it. And so when they keep quiet about what they have seen, things unfold. And then revelation of how what they've seen fits in with the grander events and the overarching um, Christ story, maybe is the right way to put that. Um, comes to them. And I think that there are times when we have that glimmer of insight that is from the Holy Spirit, and yet we don't know what to do with it. And so we hold on to it, and eventually we see its part as, as a portion of the greater whole. And so I would pray that we hold on to the insights that we're given, and we sow them like seeds in our hearts and souls, until the time comes 
for the harvest of knowledge to be reaped. And again, high sounding today, but do forgive me all. Thank you so much for being with me today and, and bearing with me as I kind of verbally work through some of these things and these thoughts. It means a lot to me, and I hope that the Holy Spirit translates and fills in the holes where I have misspoken or left things out, and that there is something of wisdom, and that the Holy Spirit is present in the hearing. Thank you very much for being here with me today. Let's go ahead and close this somewhat long session, which is so nice. That's one of the best things, or maybe the best thing about being on leave for me, is that I get to say prayer without worrying about time constraints. So let's close with the prayer of St. Christotum on page 102 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.